Craven Cottage, make some noise for the team of the Fulhamish Podcast! It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name's Sammy James and welcome to the show. Today it is the 22-23 Fulham season review. Who will we give our judgments to? Who was the best player of the season? What was the funniest moment of the season? What was the WTF moment of the season? Also, we're going to look back at our pre-season predictions. Who had some shocking takes and who had some quite accurate ones? There was definitely a bit of both uh, for everyone. Also, a few of your questions and a final this will catch on of the season. Hopefully we'll go out on a bang. I'm joined by the regular Thursday crew today, Jack Collins. Hello. Hello, Sammy. How you doing? Good, thank you. And Peter Rutzler's back. Hello, Peter. Hey, Sammy. Hey, Jack. How are we? How are we doing? We good? All good. Season's over. Are you excited for a holiday, Peter? It's not over yet for me. Not yet. There's another game to go. And then, then it's over. Then I'm going away for a week. So, uh, yes, I cannot wait. All right. Well, um, <laughs> let's have a quick final word um, from Sunday's defeat to uh, Man United. I mean, Jack, there wasn't an awful lot um to read into this um except maybe the penalty debate rearing its ugly heads like once again um i thought fulham like were pretty good could have easily come out of that with a draw united took their chances when they came and had periods of dominance i mean there was just so little riding on this match because as we talked about in last week's thursday club they won that game over Chelsea. Their position was secure. Our position was secure. We were kind of loosely chasing a points record, but it wasn't like the biggest motivation. So kind of one of those. I don't think anyone will remember it for a particularly long time. No, exactly. That's it, isn't it? It just felt like, it felt like that game. And there were moments in it where I think United were probably had one eye on, on, on that FA Cup final that they took their foot off the off the gas, off the accelerator at times. I think if Fulham go 2-0 up, we probably win that game. Um, but generally, yeah, it, it sort of felt like a bit of a non-event, non-starter in, in many ways. And I think you probably look on the balance of the game result probably fair just about but again just hugely nothing on it vibes i think everyone just kind of enjoyed their day if i'm if i'm perfectly honest so yeah just one of those that as you say won't live long in the memory i don't think uh, and peter um ahmed wrote uh, a piece uh, about kenny tete which i really enjoyed and he was kind of the star of the afternoon really the 15th different premier league goal scorer for fulham this season only Bert Leno and Anthony Robinson um, are the players that have played more than a thousand minutes and not got on the score sheet. Over 500 minutes is Niskin Scabano, which actually is really impressive to have so many different goal scorers in a season. But anyway, that, that's, that's an aside point. Kenny Tete, a wonderful headed goal and another brilliant display. And um, they talked about it on the Sunday podcast about how there seems to be so much interest in Jao Polina and doesn't seem to be an awful lot being spoken about Kenny Tete and I think the general point was like good um but yeah I mean he's had a stellar season and deserves to be up there in all of the player of the season nominations I don't think he'll get it but he deserves to be in the, that kind of discussion he likes an end of season goal doesn't he didn't he scored in the final home game last year against Luton didn't he like just belted one in with his his swinger um but yeah no I, I completely agree and actually well, I, the first thing is I think the way Fulham play in the Premier League really suits him. Um, it relies on fullbacks being very good one against one. I think Tete's strengths are his, his ability to tackle opponents, to to keep wingers quiet. Um, and Robinson's done really well as well on that front. He's quick and, and that's really effective for, for Fulham. But when you actually think of how much he costs the club, it's about three million, three million pounds, if I remember rightly. Um, like it's an incredible signing again, like that in terms of value for money. Um, you, put, you know, Leno was phenomenal as well, but you, you'd put Tetti in that category. And I, I imagine Jack's going to elaborate on again the Dutch. He was snubbed again, wasn't he, by uh, Ronald Koeman and the Dutch national team. But I, again, that plays into him just not really getting the, the plaudits he deserves. I think Fulham fans are giving him his due. Um, of course, there's been a lot of talk about Polina. Of course, there's been a lot of talk about Leno, but particularly among, you know, match-going fans. I can see his performances week in, week out, consistently against really, really high-caliber opponents. And his best performances are against these 
top level teams it seems as well you know he seems to really relish those games obviously there was the uh, the, the Chelsea game um, which is probably his best performance of the season um, uh, at the Arsenal game as well away at the start of the season I remember that him doing particularly well that day um, against Spurs and that difficult game at the uh, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium so like, they, they do like he seems to, to step up for those games and a rare, a rare goal from a corner. It's actually, I was looking at it. Fulham were really overdue a goal from a corner. Um, mm. I think, I think it's the first goal directly from a corner since the double against Southampton, the two-one win where Pereira scored from the edge of the box and Polina was at the back post, and that was a Teti assist as well. So it's the first goal from a corner in 2023, I think. So um, yeah, very much overdue, um, which you wouldn't think because Fulham been so effective from, from corners, but um, yeah. It's because you re- revealed the blueprint, Peter. No, no. That's, that's why know. it all I went wrong. Mention, <laughs> I wasn't going to mention that because it was after that game that Silva said, you know, I know that some of you have been analysing our games and telling telling our opponents what we're doing. So, yeah, there was a bit of a bit of a death. Oh, we never really talked about that on the podcast that Silva seems to get so irate about an article. It's like... It, it, to be fair, it wasn't, it wasn't irate. It wasn't too irate. It was, it was sort of tongue-in-cheek answering a different question. Um, but, yeah, apologies. <laughs> I was like, if Peter can work it out, I'm sure like Liverpool scouts can probably yeah, also work logic. it out. That's my logic. If I, if I can see it, then surely everyone else can see it. But I mean, who knows of the competence, competence levels in football these days. <laughs> Jack, I mean, I mentioned it earlier. It's the elephant in the room. For me, it's not a discussion about penalties next season. Again, I know that some people on the Sunday pod were saying we've got to keep on Mitrovic because he's our talisman and his confidence will be taken away. I just think we need to just grow up a little bit and give it to our best player. If it's Andreas, if it's Willian, whoever it is, it's just not his strength. He is so readable from penalties. Even when he scores, the keeper tends to go the right way. I I, I don't personally feel like there's any debate anymore, but you may disagree. No, I mean, I think that there was a fair bit debate to be had at the time because, you know, there are, you know, moments in this where you want obviously Mitrovic's confidence up, you want the team backing him. There also comes a point where you have to kind of like, maybe this isn't the, you know, the the task for you. And, and I think there will be those discussions. They're obviously going to have to be done in the right way. But I do think that there's an element also of the fact that I, I thought at the weekend he was actually very good until he missed the penalty. And then after that, it was sort of like his head dropped. And I think that there's definitely a, a point there to be made um, in, in that if that's going to affect him in, in, in the kind of negative ways, then you have to put that in the context of, you know, if we're saying you want him to feel confident and, and happy and that the team backs him, if there are these, these moments where then his head drops and we don't see the best of him for the rest of the game, is that actually far more of a negative than the idea of taking him off penalties. So, so yeah, I, I think that at some point this is a discussion that needs to be had. Um, you know, William was was a wonderful penalty taker for for most of his career. So whether whether it's him or, or whether it's somebody else, I do I do think there's something to be cons- to, to definitely be having a look at in terms of Mitch Rich's penalty record and, and the unwanted record of becoming the first player to miss four in a single season. I remember after the Newcastle game, we were sort of. Uh, going through the ins and outs of the psychology of taking off penalties, what would be the right way to do it, should you do it? And it does feel sort of similar. I, like the stats, as you were saying, they, they speak for themselves. Um, and I think I remember at the time saying, and I still think it's relevant, but I, I think we're at a point where it might need to be taken out of his hands. But the ideal scenario is he realises it himself and that you know, there are better penalty takers that it's difficult for a goal scorer because you want to score as many goals as possible and it's an opportunity to score it's just 75% chance or whatever it is to to boost your tally um I think think considering the opportunities he's had since you know this isn't the first we have the same discussion in the Scott Parker season so um yeah it's a shame but as Jack says you don't want it to be detrimentally affecting if it wasn't doing that as well then fine but um you know, scores that penalty. It's a different game, and, and maybe Fulham get that, get the win. Um, so, yeah. I think it was. It's one thing to take a player off penalties mid-season. I think like that is a, a quite a snub. 
But over the summer, who knows who will sign as well? Maybe we'll sign someone with an exemplary penalty record. And that's the time I think like Silver says, look, we're going for a refresh. Mitrovic had lots of opportunities last year. We've got this player. We've really looked at it. And we think starting afresh in August, we're going to change it up. Really sorry. Like I get that like after Newcastle would have been a tough decision to make and like it really would have felt like a, a snub on Mitrovic. It was I a think slip, wasn't like, it? It's like, you know, it was it wasn't yeah. like it wasn't a technique. Well, it slipped. It's not it's not yeah. the same thing. This thing now is it's got too much. I mean, we got an email here from Glenn Holler in North Carolina. He says, I wanted to chime in on the Mitrovic penalty situation. On the Monday pod, the gang landed on a sort of shrug and oh well response to Mitro's missing of his uh, fourth penalty of the season. Um, even after Elizabeth brought up the fact it potentially cost us five points. While I agree that it wouldn't have changed our league position, I can't agree with the attitude that it doesn't make a difference. If Mitro scores even one more penalty, so long as it turns a draw into a win, then that's our all-time points total achieved. Um, I kind of like agree. Like, yes, of course, we were so far from any team, five points didn't make a difference. But I think like, yeah, it was an end-of-season game, Ultimately, over the season, his penalties didn't cost us anything. But going, for, I think going forward, that's why a change is needed. I think also that the last time Fulham played penalty roulette, it didn't end so well uh, no. in the Scott Parker season. So um, if we're going to change it, we've got to be we've got to be dead sure. We've got to be really sure that whoever's coming in is going to be solid, because otherwise, it's just a bit farcical if that season's anything to go by. Although I did hear, I have seen a couple of mentions of Tom Kearney on penalties and I feel like people have got short memories. <laughs> Tom Kearney was not that good from the penalty spot either. We went through a period of him taking the penalties and him either getting very lucky in scoring or not scoring. So uh, I'd really like um, Tim Ream to score a Pinyanka. I think he's, he's taken one before, hasn't he? But did he miss? Yeah. I think he might have Famously, missed, yeah. Newcastle away oh. when we won 3-1 and we decided, <laughs> oh, it's the 90th minute. Let's, ha- let's let Tim Ream take a penalty. Bonkers decision. Seth was on well, a hat trick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolute <laughs> ridiculous decision. Um, but yeah, he's he's had one. Um, I feel like that's probably Tim's lot. Sorry, Tim. You can take one in your testimonial and uh, and have some fun there. Let's do some end of season awards. So um, myself, Jack and Peter will nominate who we think um, should win each award. I also did a bit of a Google form. I was organized for this and sent it out to the people in the Fulhamish community in our Telegram group to uh, collate some of their thoughts on what they think um, as to who should win uh, each award. So we'll start with the obvious one, the pertinent one, the big one, player of the season. Um, There are some big hitters that we know. It's Probably a toss-up between Leno and Polino, I imagine, in the popular vote. But Jack and Peter, you can pick whoever you like. Yeah, I, I think it's probably Polino for me. But I was so excited about this that I feel like it's kind of... I, there are other categories that I think we might be able to nominate Bern Leno for. So I'm going to suggest that Polino is, is is the winner of this award. I, mean, I, I think he's been absolutely sensational. He has become this one-man unit in so many ways in, in the midfield. He has freed up Harrison Reed to do different things. He is capable. And, and you look, we looked at this last year and we saw that experiment that Silva had with Nat Chalaber and trying to make sure that the system was going to work kicking onwards into the Premier League. And, and we saw the kind of early iterations of it and how that didn't work. So to come in and be this good off the bat, to come in and basically be the glue that holds the team together. You know, you look at some of the performances where Joao Polina didn't play this season and the difference in Fulham with and without him is so incredibly stark that I think for me, he has to be given the nod here for, for player of the season. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I, 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 it is really difficult with Bert Leno. You know, I'm, I wrote a piece on The Athletic, I think, last week about it. Um, because you look at Bert Leno's numbers and they are ridiculously impressive. And I think one of the, the question marks about Fulham and, and why people have sort of sometimes not always given them as much praise as they could do is because the underlying numbers aren't particularly great. Fulham do concede good chances. Um, but the reason that they've not conceded as many goals is, is Bernd Leno, fundamentally. He's been absolutely fantastic. Um, but I'm I'm with Jack. I, I, for me, Polina just represents Fulham evolving into the Premier League. You know, the, the change in the number six position is just 
you know, Jack was saying, Silva looking at how he's going to change things, moving on from Seri to Polina, really different profiles, making that work from the get-go. Um, his, his influence has been, you know, really important. And I think everyone else looks better when he's in the team. And that for me is, you know, the staple of the player of the season. I have flip-flopped between Leno and Polina so much in the last few days where I've been trying to get my head around this. I did an article on um, BBC Sport and I and I plumped for Leno. But I think you two have persuaded me to go Polina. I think, I think what you said there, Peter, is a player that kind of sums up this season and a player that I have loved watching. Like, I... I, I Leno's been great and he has got me out of my seat several times. That's I mean, that save he did against Leicester, I seem to remember in the first half where Vardy was just one-on-one on goal and it was looked like a certain goal. A couple of times Leno has just performed those kind of saves where you're like, oh my God. But Polina has got me out of my seat countless times this year. I've never enjoyed watching a defensive midfielder quite as much as uh, as Xiao Polina. I've, so. nev- I've never seen fans get up and start bowing, like directly in front of bowing after a slide tackle. Like it's, um, yeah. United at home this season was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, like it was just one of those where like you came out of it and then like, little kids are talking about, did you see Jao Polina? Like, like that's, that's not normal for <laughs> that central defensive midfielder. Um, so yeah. Okay. It's got to go to Polina, hasn't it? But such a big nod to uh, Leno and we may come on to him. Right. Goal of the season. Um, there is a lot of um, contenders here. Um would you like the public vote first or second? First. First? Yeah. Okay. So I'll give you the top five. Uh, joint uh, fourth, effectively, uh, is Polina's goal against Forrest and yeah. Solomon's goal against Brighton. Mm-hmm. Um, third is Kearney's goal against Sunderland at home in the Cup. Second... Oh, yeah is Williams' goal at home to Forest, the beautiful cut back into the top corner. And first is that man again, Zhao Polina, with his goal against Leeds in the cup. Um, I started with Jack last time, so let's start with Peter on this one. Yeah, I went for Polina against Leeds as well. I think for, for me, it was the... There was two... Obviously, the goal itself was ridiculous. Um, I was actually speaking to another French journalist who hosts um, Sompersol, a PSG podcast out here, and uh, he said he went to a Fulham game this season. It was the Leeds in the cup. And uh, he saw the Polina goal and it was phenomenal. And his, you know, his little boy was talking about it. Um, but it was, and he was right behind it. So he could see the swerve on the shot. And the technique was fantastic. What I really liked about it was that he, well, there was two things, wasn't there? There was the tackle, which is just Polina-esque. And then he had the awareness to take the shot on because he could see um, Melier's position. You know, he's a couple of yards further forward than he'd ordinarily be. And yeah, he executed it to perfection. So... Yeah, what a beauty. Jack? Yeah, I think that's the correct answer. But my favorite, I think my favorite goal was Tom Kearney's against Sunderland. I just really enjoyed everything about that moment. And I think, you know, you look at the way that that game went and the fact that it, you know, at one point it looked like Fulham were, were going to be bowing out of the cup to lower league opposition. And suddenly TC puts on a, you know, footwork masterclass in the middle there just to, to wiggle his way through a few challenges. And I remember like fully on standing up and just being like, that is unbelievable. It wasn't even a cheer. It was just like, it was a round of applause. <laughs> I was like, that is absolutely <laughs> sensational. I think the Polina goal, as you say, is probably the rightful winner of this, but I did absolutely love that TC goal. So I'm, I'm just going to just give a nod to him, I think. Could we do like a vibes goal of the season? Because Solomon wins that at Brighton. Because I, 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 that game was ridiculous. And like, I remember laughing when he scored. But it was just, just so undeserved. Not, well, undeserved, yeah, you can, you can debate that. But just so against the run of play. It was so good. Um, I'm going to go for an underrated goal that's not even been considered here is Solomon's against Leeds, which is outrageous. Um, and the goal he scored against Wolves. He basically scored the exact same goal um, about three days apart. Um, I'm going to go for Williams at Forest. That got, that was just so amazing. Um, it's been nominated for goal of the season by the Premier League. Um, it's just outrageous technique. And he has so many players between him and that the goal, the only place he can put it is in the top corner. And I, is it, is it harsh to say, I think he's the only player in our team that could do that. Like under that kind of pressure, there's the postage stamp is the only place that you can hit and you've got split second to do it. So I'm going to go for Willian against Forrest, but I think all of them are 
worthy winners. I just think the technique on Williams is amazing, whereas Polinius is an you know, amazing tackle, an amazing strike. But I just think Williams is just a bit of genius, effectively. So, yeah, I'm fair, completely fair. No, it's completely fair. Uh, I think we probably know the answers to this one, but you never know. Performance of the season. So again, I'll go to the public vote on Telegram. Um, in fifth, you've got Fulham's 3-0 win uh, away at Palace. Uh, joint third, you've got Fulham's 3-0 win over Villa and Fulham's 3-2 win over Brentford. Uh, in second is Fulham's opening day draw against Liverpool. Yeah, And obviously in first is Fulham's win over Chelsea uh Jack who would you like to give to performance of the season I genuinely think that Fulham 2 Liverpool 2 is is the correct answer here um now I, I think you kind of look at the way that these games pan out and and maybe you could say the same for this for this this game but the 2-1 against Chelsea obviously Fulham played well first half and then it did look like there was a foothold being you know got hold of and, and I'm sure we'll talk more about Jeff Felix in, in in a minute but I do think that that the red card really changed the whole game. And and I think you could say similar about like the 3-0 against Palace away on Boxing Day in that the game shifted on something that, that wasn't maybe in our control. I do think that the first half of that performance against Liverpool on the opening day was like, oh, Fulham are here and, and, and they've arrived in the Premier League. And I think that was the moment it was like, okay, this Liverpool team might not be as good as perhaps they have been in recent seasons, but to uh, sort of that game out the way that Fulham did and the way that, you know, everyone felt afterwards, it was like, oh, hang on, we can hang with them again. And the, the kind of change from the last Premier League season to that felt like a massive step. So I, I think that for me probably, probably wins it. I'm the same as Jack. Yeah, no, I, I don't know if a draw can be season defining, but it felt it at the time <laughs> just because it was really negative going into that game. You know, Marcus Silva's comments after the Villarreal game, recruitment worries, and and then for the team to perform so well, it just changed everyone's perception of the team, like instantly. It's like, oh, the other thing, the other thing that maybe should be mentioned here is the two-one against Brighton, because there were, you know, they yeah. scored from mm. a penalty, but I actually think that maybe actually as a comprehensive performance, that was a, a side that had been winning plaudits left, right, and centre, and Fulham absolutely fundamentally outplayed them that night. And and I think that that was that there's something to be said for that because, you know, this is a side that's gone from strength to strength this year. Obviously, you know, we've beat them twice. Amazing. But I do think that, you know, as a complete opposite to the smash and grab at the Amex, there was a real control about Fulham that night, you know, and, and obviously it was just before Graham Potter left and all of those things in kind of quick succession. But I, I thought we were absolutely sensational that night. Am I going a bit against everything that I think the three-two win away at Forest was one of the performances? Oh no, that's a that's a good shout, I think, because look, just mentality. That right. was the night for me. And look, right, we're going to talk about moment of the season in a minute, and that's you know another one. It was such an incredible night and stuff, but probably the moment was Solomon. That was the one for me. I was like, oh my god, we're good. Like we've come away from home to a team that has a very good home record. And we've won away from home this early in the season and we went up to sixth. And I think it, that second half performance, the only thing that lets it down is the way that we let them back into the game with, with five minutes to go and stuff. So it's not like a complete performance. Oh, there's so many to choose from. All right, I'll stick with my guns. I'll stick with Forrest away because it was amazing. But I, I actually really agree with both of you that Liverpool was season defining and um, it's those moments that tip the balance as to, you know, Fulham lost that opening game 4-0. We probably would have stayed up. We obviously had quality and stuff, but I don't think it's the emphatic season that we all um, experienced. Uh, moment of the season. Um, there's actually only four nominations here from the from the Telegram community. Uh, in fourth were the quickfire goals against Forest. In third was the Solomon winner against Brighton. And joint first was Chelsea at home in general, and then the Metro header against Brentford. Jack? I will go for Brentford and then that game. Uh, I think that, you know, as you say, there was, there was that moment and it being so late on and it having, you know, the effect it did. And the fact that actually Fulham had gone from being comfortably in charge of the game to actually under the cosh. And I remember being like, oh my God, can we just get out of this with a point? <laughs> so then to win it at the death, and Polina bashing the stand with his sort of broken arm cast and all sorts of 
I think as a moment of absolute release, that was that was it for me. That was the moment I think that I was like, this is the best I've felt in ages. And so I, I think, you know, the difference with the Chelsea game, you know, is it, it felt like it, you know, transpired over a longer period of time. Whereas the, you know, the the joy and relief, I always say this, right? It's like Chelsea's always the one you want to win. Brentford's the one you don't want to lose. And so to be hanging on and for it to be Mitrovic and for Tony to have had all the goals ruled out and doing the celebration and then for him to to win it at the death, uh, the the elation of that moment for me, I, I just loved it. I loved it so much. Peter? Oh, yeah, it's hard to argue. I, I went with um, the Chelsea game. I went for Vinicius's goal specifically because it, it just threatened to be, you know, a ch- uh, the, the chance was going to pass Fulham by, you know, it, was, it wasn't going to be a better chance than that really with Chelsea and the disarray that they're in and everything else around it. Um, 10 men, you know, this, this was the time to win it. So I think there was an element of relief as well when Vinicius scored and it, because it was Vinicius who, you know, it hasn't been easy for him this season. Um, but to have that moment, for him to have that moment was, was really important. So I went for that. I can't, I can't disagree with the Brentford. Brentford game as Jack was outlining but there's, there's so many like you, you know I was talking about Solomon earlier like that that was hilarious um, that those six minutes I, I think that's a really good shout for performance of the season the Forest game because it was a really mature and professional display against a team with a really good home record and, um, that's when you're like okay Fulham are, Fulham are serious they're serious they're ruthless um, I'm going to go for Solomon at Brighton um, it was just magic. And I've mentioned it on the pod numerous times, but Dan Cook saying to me, if we won this, it would be the ultimate smash and grab. And literally a minute later, it happened. Um, it was, ju- I actually watched the highlights of it earlier while I was preparing for this. Just, it's just so incredible. And the feeling in that concourse afterwards, and that's generally the thing you do at Brighton because the trains are so bad. You stick around in the bar at the stadium because you might as well. And Everyone was on cloud nine, absolute cloud nine. I, I, I was going up to random people, just fist bumping them, just celebrating with people I didn't know. And like, obviously that happens often at football, but it seems to particularly happen at Brighton. Um, so I think there's three worthy winners in there. Um, Brentford was just magic as well at the same time. And the bragging rights as well, over because there's no brill. I don't find so much bragging rights over Chelsea. I don't know that many or whatever but like Brentford they were just, just so bad as well so like at that point in Chelsea's season like I texted my you know some Chelsea supporting mates and I was like we and they were like yeah we're rubbish and I was like oh okay cool <laughs> like there's no I think there's no kind of bounce off it you know what I mean whereas like being in the pub with with my aunt and you know the Brentford lot afterwards and just absolutely like not being able to stop grinning from ear to ear it was just like someday someday yeah Okay, uh, this is a two-horse race, I'd imagine, but uh, you never know. Surprise performer of the season. Um, our Telegram community has gone for Willian second and Tim Ream first. Um, there is an honourable shout there for Carlos Vinicius um, in third. Uh, so yeah, uh, Peter, surprise performer of the season. Yeah, I agree with the Telegram channel. Tim Ream, I mean... Again, going back to the start of the season, you know, the, the doubts around him, how he would adapt to the Premier League, the concerns about centre-half, you know, they were really strong feelings from, you know, within the fan base, among everyone, really. Um, and he's proved absolutely everybody wrong. It's a fantastic story, him going to the World Cup as well. Uh, it's such a shame he broke his arm, but he played every, he's played every league game under Silver. He, he's been, you know, available. Um yeah, he's been, he's been for me the the surprise performer of the season, and um, long may it continue. Jack, yeah, I, I mean, look, it's it's very much these two, isn't it? These are the the, the and, and I think you could make all the same arguments that Peter's just made for for Tim Ream about Willian as well, right? You know that mm. the kind of ill fated spell at Arsenal that he only had one good game and that was against Fulham. <laughs> you know, you're coming back to this. He struggled back in Brazil. It's been you know uncomfortable. There's question marks of whether we were even going to sign him then because it was got to the final day and we were like, hang on, this guy's been training for four weeks. If we thought he was this good, why haven't we put him on a contract yet? And so there were all these jitters about it as well. And just some of the class, I think, that he has shown across the course of the season, it's been truly remarkable. You know, I think that in this kind of form, there's an argument to suggest that he start he start for 
18, maybe 17 of the Premier League clubs. And, and, and I don't think anybody would have said that to you. You know, I remember having the discussion right at the point, be like, look, if he's truly on the wages that we think he's on, on a very, very low budget, very low salary, just wants to be back in London, loving life. To, to have pulled that off, I think is, is pretty spectacular. So yeah, I would, I'd probably edge really am, but I think both are worthy winners. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go Ream, although as you may hear later, I actually backed Ream to have uh, an all right season. Um, but, getting that in early. <laughs> yeah, getting that in early. Here we go. Um, but it is Tim Ream, right? No one, th- I, I, even I thought Tim Ream would be a squad player. I thought he'd be our third choice centre back this season. I just thought he would be all right. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, he's just been amazing this season and I never thought he could do this at Premier League level. I thought that, I thought on the opening day that Salah and Nunes and were going to rip him to shreds and he just, at no point this season did I think Tim Ream's had a nightmare here. Like occasionally, yeah, like he got caught out of position or something like that, but more often than not, Diop bailed him out. But every game he performed this season and um, I'm really hoping he can do it again next year. So I'll go for Tim Ream. Right. We're going to the last couple now. Uh, last couple of funny ones. Um, first of all is funniest moment of the season. Um, the telegram went for in fifth was uh, the sailboat, the sailboat girl at palace. I don't know if you guys saw this was quite funny. Um, there's a girl who was, uh, sailing by in the the cottage in the Thames. And it happened to be half time during the crystal palace game. And she capsized and, uh, everyone was watching from the riverside, um, and just giving her grief. And then she capsized the boat again. And then they were started singing. You don't know what you're doing. Um, and the people that were next to her in the boat were filming the whole thing. And the other girl took it very well. She was saying, just kill me now, basically. Whereas like 2000 people watching her sail um, this boat very badly, which was quite funny. Uh, in fourth, we've got Nottingham Forest's terrible minute silence for the Queen. Um, <laughs> I forgot that. Oh my God. That was terrible. It was, oh, it was almost not, not silence. I can't forget. I was like, has the minute silence not started yet? Like, what's going on? It's so loud. And everyone's shouting. Wasn't it like, it wasn't um, a kid that shouted. And then some, yeah. someone who was a lot older shouted something very aggressively. No, yeah, someone shouted yeah, at him. And so the mum shouted, he's got Tourette's. Yeah, it, it was, it was quite something. It was quite a spectacular video. <laughs> I never forget it at the time. I didn't hear the, he's got Tourette's quip but even so it was just awful um shane duffy's cameo versus leicester makes third um fulham replying to chelsea's name a better right back tweets with a picture of kenny tete holding his man of a match award got second and ivan tony mimicking mitro's celebration got first peter straight to you because i think the one that you chose for your athletic article didn't actually make my nominations list and i was disappointed in myself that i forgot about it yeah, no, I, I, because it feels so long ago, you forget that it was actually this season. But um, yeah, Mitro smashing Tom Kearney's windscreen in the car park, then taking a selfie with it in the group chat and just not paying for it was uh, glorious. <laughs> and then showing off about it in an interview with Soccer AM. Yeah, that, 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 was, that was for me the, the, the funniest moment. But there's been quite a few of other ones. Um, Fulham had that farcical uh, game against Portimonense in um the world cup break you know that, that friendly that they had where the opposition manager was referee and had to wear a bib and then gave the <laughs> gave his team an indirect free kick in stoppage time because george wickens was holding the ball for too long um because they were three two down so that was quite good um i was also going to say in case they, the, that came up i was going to mention about silver in the gantry because that was i really enjoyed that um like just journalists sort of like trying to see what he's doing, just just rather than watching the game, just just seeing what his reaction is, and just exactly the same as on the touchline, exactly the same little body language is the shrugs, the groans, yeah, that was good fun. Um, Jack, yeah, I mean, I think that, that that's right. The 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 windscreen getting smashed, Tom Kenny pulling his own trousers down as well, real fun, real fun moments. I enjoyed that loads, although I'm not sure if that fits quite into here or 
or into the next category. So it's one of those. <laughs> I think um, it's not. I, I think it's down. I think it goes down as a funny moment. I did enjoy that he just just randomly threw his shorts to the floor when he missed that chance against Newcastle. So um, that that was fun. The bit of being completely and utterly like what, but that was fun. Um, but I, I I really really enjoyed the Shane Duffy cameo in news that will shock nobody. <laughs> Um, I think, but I would actually argue that I think it was actually arguably funnier at Chelsea away because he kept coming back down to the touchline. I think by the time it got to the Leicester game, everything seemed a bit like over the top. That actually, the the kind of five six minutes of it, like incessantly at Chelsea at the Bridge, <laughs> I really really enjoyed. Um, so yeah, I, I think lots of lots of things there. But yeah, I, I've enjoyed much of this season, and I've been amused by Fulham a lot this season. Yeah, um, there's definitely uh, a, a, an honourable mention to Xiao Polinia constantly calling us cottages on uh, Instagram to the point that I now think that I now uh, think that's our nickname. Um, I'm gonna go for I'm gonna go for Nottingham Forest. Sorry, it just killed me at the time. I think it's the uh, I think it's the rightful winner for me. Um, I just it was just so bad that it just it deserved to be uh, the winner for me. Right, the final category is the WTF moment of the season. Basically, just I, I was struggling to think of the name for this category. I think this one's right. Um, it, bad mostly bad things but also i guess kind of funny some in some degree as well uh in fifth you've got the whole performance at crawley away yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. in fourth you've got metro's double kick penalty against newcastle oh yeah uh in third you've got the flamethrowers at wolves oh yeah Same. blood on their hands in second, you've got the VAR against West Ham away. And in first, with like the majority of the vote is Chris Ch- Chris Kavanagh's triple red um, at, at Old Trafford, which I imagine will be the winner. But uh, Peter, Jack, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, Old Trafford's the right answer, isn't it? Like that, I mean, it was just completely what the fuck. Um, that, like, that, you genuinely like, were sitting there thinking, what has happened here? Like, how, how is this, how, like, the sort of shock of it um, means that, yeah, it's a clear win. It's just, just, it's just everything. Like, it's just seeing Silver go over. It's like, what, why is he doing that? Oh, he's been sent off. And then, yeah, anyway, um, let's not dwell on that. We've dwelled on it a lot. Um, I really like the Crawley shout. And I was going to mention Tom Kearney's shorts because that, that also fits the bill. Um, yeah. But it was also funny. So, but yeah, Crawley just overall, like, that was just dreadful. Um, I mean, when you had Tom Kearney's guy in that corner as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> um <laughs> the corner oh god that was my cue to go home yeah that was so yeah, bad was i was like up, come that. on i was like come on tom this is the one opportunity we can't lose to crawley oh wait no it's in the car park <laughs> yeah uh, that um, was Jack. shambles isn't it um i i enjoyed the uh the, the honorable mention here i mean obviously the answer is united but I did enjoy Nat Chalaba's cameo against Newcastle. <laughs> enjoy is probably the wrong word, right? But, like, it was just all so obvious from, like, the moment it happened. You're like, oh, no. Oh, we've seen everything now. Um, and, and I think that, that, you know, you could see him flying in for it. And you know, I, I said at the time, I, I stand by it, I feel a bit sorry for him because he was obviously trying so hard to put in a performance to stand up in, in Joao Polina's absence, to show his worth. And you could just see the Polina tackle, tackle coming. You see the tackle coming, you're like, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> and then it was like, okay, cool. Well, that's that then, isn't it? Um, and then the absolute shambles that followed it as well. It was... That was real bad vibes, um, but yeah. I, I did I did want to give it an honourable mention. Yeah, I my honourable mention because we all agree I think on the winner was the flamethrowers at Wolves. Honestly, someone should be doing jail time. Someone <laughs> should be doing jail time. I still haven't recovered um, emotionally from what they did to me sitting in the third row. Um, never been so hot in my life. I literally, it's the closest I've ever felt like to being in an oven just with the gas being turned on. I was like, oh my God. Um, so yeah, they are our awards of the season. Um Please let us know on Twitter if you agree or disagree with any of our choices. Uh, I think we'll uh, we'll post them up there as well. Um, and yeah, that'll do for part one. In part two, uh, we'll look back at some of our predictions.
Hello, it's Sammy here, and Fulhamish is backed by NordVPN, which is a way of watching sporting events, TV shows, and films which aren't available in your region by just switching your virtual location to a country which is showing the event. And right now, we've got an exclusive deal which you can get by going to nordvpn.com slash Fulhamish. They'll give you a huge discount off your plan, plus four additional months all for free. Now, my dad actually had a perfect usage case for NordVPN the other day. He was out in Spain, but he wanted to watch the match of the day highlights of when Fulham beat Southampton 2-0. So he knows I've got an account. He dropped me a text and I gave him my logins. And that's absolutely fine because you can use one NordVPN account on up to six devices. So he logged into NordVPN, switched his location, and watched Alexander Mitrovic bag on his return in glorious Technicolor on his iPad. Now, NordVPN is the price of a cup of coffee a month, and there is a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you decide it's not for you, then no worries. To get that exclusive deal that I mentioned of four free months plus an additional discount, head to nordvpn.com slash Fulhamish. That's nordvpn.com slash Fulhamish. Part two of the Fulhamish podcast It is Sammy here with Jack Collins and Peter Rutzler. Um, just a quick one to say thank you to everyone that continues to back Fulhamish in the Fulhamish community. Um, our, your support, if you're in there all season, uh, we are indebted to you. You keep our podcasts, articles, videos all going, all funded, and it enables us to keep everything free, which has been our aim since day one. So thank you to everyone. Um, you really, really uh, are so special to us uh, that you that you do that. So thank you very much. If you'd like to support Fulhamish, all the details in the description of this podcast, or you can go to fulhamish.co.uk forward slash support. As a thank you, you get access to our Fulhamish community, which I mentioned earlier. Um, and it's a Telegram community where we chat all things Fulham. And it's a thank you to everyone that supports us. Um, so yeah, all the details in the description of this podcast. Thank you ever so much. And we're planning on keeping the podcast rolling all through the summer. More details to be announced. Let's look back at our pre-season predictions. Um, here we go, ladies and gents. Um, these aren't as bad as I hoped. There's a couple of shockers in there, but I actually think we did quite well, probably because we were all quite rose tinted about Fulham's chances. And that turned out to be a punch that has worked very much in our favors. Um, so I'll run through them and we can react to what we said. So the first thing that we asked was Fulham's final position in the league table. Jack, you said 16th and 39 points. Would that have been right? <laughs> uh, you wouldn't be far off. Peter, you said 17th and 38 points. I was Mr. Optimistic. I said 15th and 42 points. So all of us massively underestimated where Fulham would finish this season and how many points that we would get. I guess that's natural, but Peter, we didn't think we'd go down. So, well, I remember, I remember sort of umming and ahhing about it on the pod. I remember umming and ahhing, going, oh, well, you know, it's going to be close. It's going to be tight. And oh, so wrong, so wrong, which is a good thing. But yeah. So next one is, the amount of goals that Mitrovic would get, league only. Jack? I think I said 15. You said 15, and then you went and clarified 11 non-pen, mm. which he scored four penalties. So you were basically one open goal away from being unbelievably spot on. Uh, Peter, you said 14 goals, and I said 15 goals. So the gold medal here definitely goes to Mr. Rutzler. That's what I'm paid Spot for. on. Spot on. That's I mean, great. what you probably couldn't have accounted for was an eight game ban in the middle of it and then being <laughs> injured for half the season. But so actually, if anything, we underestimated him because we know that if he'd have played all the games this season, he would have got a lot more. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think we did. I think we probably did because I, you look at the goals per game, right? Um, we missed a third of the season. So, and the injuries, we're still scoring with, with his injuries around, you know, that after the September international break with Serbia. Um, never, it didn't really seem right until the, the turn of this year and, and getting back into the flow of things with Fulham. So, um, yeah, no, I do agree. Uh, the next category was second top scorer. Now, this is a bit unfair, this second top scorer, because one player that would be in the reckoning uh, well, that was there's the joint winner was not on the books when we made this prediction. But anyway, Peter, you said Mana Solomon. Jack, you said Bobby Decadover-Reed, and I said Andreas Pereira. 
Now we are all exceedingly close, basically. So the joint second top scorers were Carlos Vinicius and Willian, both with five goals in the Premier League. And then Andreas Pereira and Bobby Decadover-Reed and Mana Solomon all had four goals. So they were joint third. Um, Solomon, if he played more, you know, I'd back that. Yeah. I'd probably say the same for Bobby, to be fair. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so basically... Bobby Bobby played in uh, all but two games. He had more than enough. He did have some minutes. He did have some minutes. Fair play. Fair play. Um, I I think we all came fairly close. And we couldn't have known about Carlos Vinicius. And actually, could we have known about Willian? He wasn't officially signed. Yeah, I think that's right. We knew he was around, didn't we? But yeah. Well, we didn't so, know if we were going to actually make him a player or not. We, it was back to that old yeah. argument of like, if we haven't signed him yet, why not? Um, but yes, yes. Good. I'm pleased enough with that, I'll be honest. This is where it gets a little bit messy. Mm. Um, relegated teams. Ah. Uh, Jack, you said Bournemouth, Bournemouth, Everton and Southampton. Peter, you said Bournemouth, Brentford and Southampton. I said Bournemouth, Leeds, Brentford. I don't think any of us have come up particularly smelling of roses. I mean, well, we look that stupid. Didn't go well, did it? Yeah. The Brentford yeah. one makes us look very stupid. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't say yeah, that. Yeah, but it was second season syndrome and all of that. It doesn't know, exist no anymore. Erickson. You should read The Athletic, Peter. Fifth season yes, syndrome. I know. <laughs> I know. It felt sound at the time. It, it went well with the audience. So, uh... Yeah, it did. I maybe was playing. I was maybe playing to the crowd a little bit. Um, I think that you know each of us managed to get a relegated team in there because Jack and Peter, you both said Southampton. Jack, you were obviously exceedingly close with Everton, um, and I did say Leeds. So we all were. We all got one out of three, which is which isn't bad, and and everyone fell into the Bournemouth trap. Um, in pre-season and I think everyone was right to think that Bournemouth would um, considering where they were in the summer Um, and fair play to Bournemouth for proving everyone wrong top four in order Jack you said City Liverpool Spurs Chelsea and in quotes you said I think Chelsea will sort their shit out (laughs) narrator oh yes they didn't um that's a bad bad prediction for me yeah that is not good at all (laughs) you called the winner at least um peter you said city liverpool spurs arsenal i said the exact same a lot of spurs optimism there wouldn't there we've really not covered ourselves in glory have we they did have Antonio Conte in charge at the start of the season. Chelsea had Thomas Tuchel in charge. Things have changed is probably how I'd put it. <laughs> to be fair to you, Jack, they did just keep signing people. So um, you didn't know that was going to happen. Yeah, that's, not, that's not great vibes. We'll, um, we'll, we'll move swiftly on, I think. Um, you should maybe hang your hat on your uh, ranks record of predicting league winners, Jack, because that is obviously uh, an incredible record that you guys have managed to keep for several years, but uh, maybe don't hang your hat on the top four one. No. Fulham player of the season. You can hang your hat on this one, Jack, probably. You said Jao Polina. Peter said Bert Leno. I said Alexander Mitrovic. It's not bad. It's not bad yeah. going. Take that. It's pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. Obviously, we don't know who's going to be the player of the season yet. Probably going to be Polina. Like, I think he'll win the public vote. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, my one with Mitrovic. I still think my one with Mitrovic, I mean, the old Trafford thing cost him any chance of winning player of the season because as much as we all love him and forgive him, like that obviously didn't help and the, all the injuries and stuff. But he did still score 14 goals this season. So he's still up there. The final one is the Fulham hot take. So this was just anything that you think could or might happen uh, in the season. Peter, take a bow. Do you remember what you said? Yeah, it's yellow cards for, for Jao Polina, wasn't it? Yeah, Jao Polina to get the most yellow cards in the league. What a call. That is a cracking shout. That's what the research is for. <laughs> Did you put some money on that? You could have, um, you probably wouldn't have to work for a year if you put a sizable chunk on that. <laughs> That was amazing. That's an incredible shout. 
Well done. Jack, this is not one that you'll love to hear back. Um, it was it was a very noble shout. Uh, Jay Stansfield to make 12 appearances off yeah. the bench. Yeah, yeah. Could have happened. Um, it, I mean, we did go and sign another striker. So, you know, that that was, that was, that will give myself a little bit of grace. But, um, I mean, he'd, what? He got he got a couple in the first in the first couple of games, didn't he? So, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, he probably did make that, just not for Fulham. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he had a great season for Exeter. He so nearly scored in that Brentford game, didn't he? In the very first minute, where it ended up being Bobby's goal. Um, so, I think it was a reasonable shout. Mine was that Tim Ream to make more appearances than expected and be okay. Yeah, I think you've undersold him a bit, but yeah, that's okay. Yeah. That's all right, it's a good prediction. That's fine. I don't mind that. That was quite, to be fair, at the time that would that would have felt, you know, quite an optimistic. I think. Yeah, um, quite bold thing to, to put forward. Yeah, I felt bold. bold at the time making that, and now it sounds like, oh, it's all right, Sammy, be okay. <laughs> well, he was. He was okay. That's really. <laughs> he was fine. He, he was, was more, more than okay, okay though, though, wasn't he? More than okay. Yes, indeed. He um, was. So yeah, they are our predictions. I mean, gents, I think that's quite good. Wasn't that bad? Yeah, yeah. I thought it was going to be a bit more, you know, apocalyptic, but it's all right. Yeah, Peter, right. I feel like I feel like you are the star of the show there, Peter. To yeah, say that Mitro would score exactly fourteen and to get the Polina yellow cards thing um, is is pretty special. Jack with uh, Polina as player of the season is uh, is a very very good shout, and we each got a relegated side. Um, the less said about our top four predictions, the better. But then again, that's not what we're here for. Um, there's plenty of other pods, uh, and also everyone got the top four wrong this season, so it is very much not us. Right, uh, we're going to take another break afterwards. We'll do a couple of questions and then a quick this will catch on part three of the Fulhamish podcast Sammy here with Peter and Jack uh, a few questions uh, in, from the inbox and then uh, a this will catch on um, for you the final one of the season uh, I like this one from Ashley Mayhew he's come at us with a few different questions but I think all of them are, are quite good um, so Ashley asks any word on a contract uh, for William next season he's been absolutely sublime do we know anything about William's contract it's surely uh, in the offering Peter uh, nothing I can bring you right now but um yeah, it feels quite positive, I think, um, regarding William and, and the direction of that. So, um, yeah, sort of watch this space. There's quite a few decisions to be made, you know, um, in the next few days. I think those conversations have started to be had slash have had been have happened. Um, even that left wing position is interesting because you've got Manor Solomon who can now leave for free because FIFA have extended the right for foreign-based players in Ukraine and Russia to suspend their contracts, which is what he did last summer. You can do that again, and the difference now is that once he does that, this is his Shakhtar contract. Um, he will be a free agent because his Shakhtar contract runs out in December. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of interest in him as well, at, uh, particularly from Tottenham. So, um, with Cabana's contract up, William's contract, there's uh, decisions to be made. Yeah. Uh, his next question is, um, how about Lavia from Southampton? Jack? I mean, yes. Yeah, That'd I mean, great. I would I would love that, but I think he's going to go for sort of 35 million to a top six club if i'm honest so uh, i i would be very surprised if we're in that conversation but we've pulled off some transfer coups before um i, I think that he would be a wonderful addition but i just think he might be a little bit uh, outside of our gettable range right now i guess is there a chance maybe if like if if it's the food chain if someone did pay all the money for Polinia? yeah i i think so um then maybe but <laughs> I, I just can't see it. I think I think United will be in for Lavia. I think Chelsea will be in for Lavia. Um, there are going to be bigger financial players, I think, in this conversation than us, and I think that would probably sway him, um, even if even if it has been a good year. And um, Peter, he says, any detail on the extra pounds we have to give Arsenal because of Leno's exceptional performances? I mean, I think the understanding was three rising to eight. So uh, with Leno, yeah, so there's three million up front, as we've talked about a lot uh, and how good value that's been. Um, then there are installments of two million pounds for every season Fulham stay in the Premier League over the course of his contract, pretty much. So it's two million pounds this year that Fulham will have to pay. Uh, two million pounds then if uh, Fulham will stay in the top flight again. And then 
sorry, I'm going to have to do it again. I've got that wrong. Oh. Yeah, so with Leno, Leno and the, the deal with Arsenal, uh, it was three million up front, which we've talked about a lot for being extremely good value, as has been proven emphatically. Um, then there are a couple of different instalments. So Fulham will have to pay two million pounds to Arsenal for staying in the Premier League. Um, that's for one season. And then if Fulham stay in the Premier League next season as well, then they will owe Arsenal another £2 million. And then the other clause that takes it to £8 million overall is based on his total Premier League appearances. Uh, that's another £1 million. Uh, I don't know the exact number of Premier League appearances, um, but my, my hunch would be in between the two seasons. So, um, yeah, so it's about, yeah, so that's that's the thing. I think at this rate, it will go up to £8 million, but even at £8 million, it seems like a ridiculously good signing. It's almost like all of those... <laughs> kind of caveats that we have to pass to pay some money are all very much worth it. Staying in the Premier League, two million, absolutely. Have have it. Um, making a hundred appearances or whatever it is, have it. Um, so yeah, it, it feels like a, an outrageously good deal. Um, one final, this will catch on for the season uh, that I will give to Jack and to Peter. Uh, it comes from lovely Rick Cardis. I have met Rick uh, a couple of times. He said, Sammy, I've been sitting on this song for this will catch on for months with Fulham coming to the States this summer. I figure this is the time to debut this surefire hit. I hope everyone enjoys God bless the FFC. So he's basically taken God bless the USA and, uh, and changed it for Fulham. Go to the States in July. And so we need to get ourselves in the mood and hopefully this will do the trick. Proud to be full American, where our captain is Tim Reed. And I won't forget Brian McBride or that Bowie Clint Dempsey. And I'll gladly stand up in the hammy end and defend the cottage today. Cause there ain't no doubt I love this club. God bless. The FFC <laughs> And I'm proud to be full American Where our owner is Shaheed And don't forget his bumbling son Tony And I'll gladly stand up in the hammy end oh, And defend the cottage today Cause there ain't no doubt I love this club God bless the FFC Wow God bless the FFC God bless Rick Hollis Indeed God bless Rick Um <laughs> I, I enjoyed I enjoyed that a lot. I, I, I'm doubtful of its ability to catch on, I'll be honest. But um I did enjoy myself immensely. I'm not even gonna bring out the syllable police because I, I had a fun time. But <laughs> it was I, I, I struggle with Dammy and singing it, I'll be honest. But could could it catch on in America? Could it catch on at the US summer tour? Who knows, Sammy? Maybe you can lead it. Yeah. Um, apt moments. So we've had a lot of emails about this and we are working on um, trying to do um, a, a Fulhamish uh, live uh, appearance in uh, Philly and DC. So we're hoping to do like a live podcast um, out there um, in both cities. I don't think we'll make it down to Orlando. It's extremely expensive, but we're looking to get to Philly and DC. Um, we're, we're speaking to uh, Fulham, which is the Fulham uh, Philadelphia uh, supporters club and the Fulham DC uh, supporters club as well uh, are helping us uh, try and organize some kind of joint parties between ourselves and them. Um, and yeah, all details, um, TBC. Um, if you've got a couch that we could sleep on, <laughs> we'd be extremely grateful because <laughs> we're trying to do it on a budget. But um, yeah, we're, more details, TBC. Um, if you fancy uh, coming along though, uh, drop us a note. Um, we'd love to, to see you out there if we can, uh, we can make the stars and stripes align nice that'll do for the podcast today what a season it's been jack collins thank you very much no thank you sammy it's been a real real pleasure and peter rutzer thank you
No, thank you, Sammy. Thank you, Jack. Thank you for uh, yeah keeping me on in the season, even when I've buggered off. So it's uh, very much appreciated. Oh, we love getting you back on when we can, Peter. It's uh, it's always it's always a treat for both of us. So as I mentioned, Fulhamish is going to be continuing uh, at least for the next um, few weeks. Uh, in a few uh, weeks, we're going to be launching a new weekly transfers show um, where we're going to be looking at all the latest rumours and stuff. That should be starting in a couple of weeks, and hopefully the Thursday Club will kick off back in. In July but until then we've still got loads of uh, podcasts uh, on Monday you'll hear the Jack and Joe show season review uh, we've got the second ever Fulhamish annual coming out this time next week where we kind of document the season via the podcast we've also got a whiteboard season review there's loads of good stuff look keep looking at the podcast feed we're trying to keep going this whole summer because we know that you guys are going to be on a beach somewhere chilling out missing Fulham and so we want to keep uh, the pods rolling for you uh, so that's very much our intention but the Thursday club will be having a little bit of a hiatus we should be returning in July um but I won't say have a lovely summer because we will be speaking to you before then but uh, yeah enjoy the summer and hopefully you can keep listening to Fulhamish uh, during that time have a wonderful weekend whatever you're doing come on you whites you whites